When I was young and in elementary school, I remember there was this one girl who was a gymnast. And I thought, oh man, whenever we had our like presidential fitness tests that I would do pretty well, but not compared to this girl. She would be doing like 30, 40, 60 pull-ups on the pull-up bar. She was fast. She was super flexible. And I was like, man, she is invincible. From that moment, I've always thought that gymnasts were invincible. But in light of recent events, that's been slightly disrupted. Hi, I'm Kyle, and this is Ministry During the Disruption. Welcome to the podcast. This is Ministry During the Disruption, and I'm Kyle, and I'm here with senior flexibility correspondent, Steve Tamayo. How are you doing? I'm flexing right now, Kyle. Uh, actually, there are going to be some weird flexes on this episode. I have been watching the Olympics. You've been watching the Olympics at all? I have been keeping track of the Olympics. I've only really watched USA basketball, which has been sort of tragic. Yeah, well, actually, we're going to circle back around and talk about that a little bit. Here's my take for today. You ready for this? I'm ready. Simone Biles is the future. It's a little controversial to say that right now because just this week, Simone Biles actually stepped out of Olympic competition for her mental and emotional health. And she's been getting a lot of criticism about that online, but also a lot of love for that online. And I actually think she represents an important trend in sports and in ministry. So if she officially removed herself from team final and has also removed herself from individual all-around competitions at at the Tokyo Olympic Games, and we're not sure if she'll be competing in some of the other stuff that she qualified for a lot of stuff and she won five gold medals in Rio, and now we're going to see if she's even going to compete at the Olympic Games at all. She is almost certainly the greatest gymnast who has ever lived. There are like four or five moves. I don't know what you call them. Four or five techniques that are named after her. She is such a great gymnast that they had to change how gymnastics is scored because they felt like she had an unfair advantage because she was so awesome. She is completely remarkable. And yet she is choosing not to compete this week. Yeah, and we've seen some trends of this too, of, of athletes in the last couple of years have been coming out more about their mental health issues. Um, and specifically, probably pretty famously recently, Naomi Osaka also, she withdrew from one of the big tennis matches, citing mental health as a big reason as well. This has been a trend of, of athletes doing this. And you're saying that I mean, this is the future. As in it's, she's, this is going to happen more often? Or as in like, what do you mean by it's the future? So no one would think it was strange if her leg were in a cast if she chose not to compete. And I think people are starting to take mental health as seriously as physical health, or at least more seriously than they did previously. And I think this is actually really significant and really important because the way God made us, you can't separate your mind, your heart, your body, your soul, your relationships. We're a complete package. And the myth that I can isolate out my performance from my mental health, it has always been a myth. I think it's being recognized as such and that this younger generation 
Gen Z students, young people are really pushing us as an organization and a university, as a culture in the United States and around the world, are really pushing us to reconsider some of the drivenness and, and drive that has been unhealthy and has ignored mental health or sacrificed mental health for the sake of performance. Yeah. Now, I, I want put, to do put in some context of like, okay, like some of the previous generations, like my parents' generation, my grandparents' generation, in certain respects, like some of them just didn't have time to reflect on their mental health because they were trying to survive, right? Like my grandfather went through the Korean War. He wasn't thinking about his mental health. He was trying to, to not die. Right. So a totally different context for him in that respect. But now we kind of have the opportunity and privilege to be able to think about our mental health. And we're recognizing that it's more important for many of us in our daily lives during a pandemic. We're just sitting in our house all day. Right. And it's not like, you know, we're getting shot at. It's not like there's some giant like burning building around us. It's just stressful. And we're always worried about our health, physical health, but because of the virus. And that's strongly affecting our mental health all the time. And it's not, I don't think it's a coincidence. We've been thinking a lot about mental health in the pandemic and suddenly someone like Simone Biles feels like she's able to pull out of this competition. I definitely recognize that it's a first world problem. Like I'm such a great gymnast. There's so much pressure on me. I am choosing not to compete in this thing that the vast majority of people in my sport have worked their whole lives to even have the opportunity to compete in. It's true for a lot of these high-level athletes that the choice to do less or to throttle back for the sake of their mental health is an expression of privilege. Absolutely. No argument from me there. Yeah. So it's this weird, weird balance of privilege. And it's also one of those things where you, you look at what the privilege that they have and what are they going to do with the privilege, right? It's, it's a big question. And for, for many, like I, I can see the especially for the younger generation, you said Gen Z, who really cares and thinks a lot about mental health, mm -hmm. seeing the peak athlete at the peak of her powers, the peak of her athletic prowess, like this is her prime. And she's like, hey, mental health is more important than me winning this competition. But not just winning this competition, it's more important than my like, athletic legacy. It's more important than my mo the money I'm going to make if I win these medals. Like, It's more important than the national glory that will earn the United States. Like, it's more important than all of that is my own mental health and well-being. It's, it's a big precedent to set. Yeah, it, it's an ancient principle, actually. What does it profit a woman if she wins gold medal in the Olympics but loses her soul in the process, right? I, I feel like that, you know, maybe that's a paraphrase. I mean, that's from the message, right, right. The message version. <laughs> there, there is something really true here for us as people who are ministry leaders, whether you're a student listening to this, faculty person, university staff, that this question about your mental, emotional, spiritual health is as important as conversations about your physical health. Just like you wouldn't go to campus if you were on life support, you need to really ask, what, what does it mean that I'm trying to push myself through emotional pain, through mental health difficulty. I think, Kyle, sometimes we hold up people who play through the pain or who minister through the pain as, as exemplars and examples. You know, there's that story about the guy who wrote the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, who wrote that after his family died in a tragic shipwreck. 
we hold that up as an example of faithfulness. And it is that, but it's not the only model and it may not be the most helpful model for everyone. Yeah, I think, I think somebody who has struggled with mental health in the past and continues to struggle with mental health, um, I think it's one of those topics where the, there is this duality of, of duality that we, we as ministers, especially, and also especially as we minister to students, have to keep in mind that, that there is beauty and power and suffering, right? Uh, like the power of the cross exists, that Jesus died on the cross, that he suffered for us and all these things. And that we see beauty in, in like, yeah, that, the guy who wrote it as well. The, we see the disciples and the apostles suffer for Christ. We see these people suffer for Christ and suffer for the faith. And there's a lot of beauty in that. But we also see things like Psalm 88, where David writes, darkness is my closest friend. And that's the end of his Psalm. There's no, but Jesus will become victorious. Jesus is happy. Yeah, there's no turn in that Psalm. It just goes down and down and down and down and down. And down and down, right? And in... And that's also in the Bible too, and both are okay, right? To me, the, what Psalm 88 really teaches me and has taught me is that there are limits to what I'm able to do and whatever my authentic response to my limits is, is important. Sometimes for me, I'll say my authentic response to my limits is, is a poem and that poem is written out and I write out all the things I'm upset about and the things I can't do, the things I suffer. And then I meet Jesus and I say, Jesus, here, Jesus is great, help me through. Sometimes I can't do that. Sometimes it's just darkness is my closest friend and both of those things are totally okay. Well, and I think it's important for us as ministry leaders to think through what kind of example we're setting, what we're modeling. It can be very intimidating to open up about struggles. It's not always appropriate. You may not always want to open up about your struggles with everyone. At the same time, there are times and ways in which communicating things like I've been seeing a counselor, like I'm on medication, like I'm going to need to do less this week because I'm having a hard time emotionally. Communicating those can set a very healthy tone for your ministry and can create a circle of safety for the people that you lead, the people that you influence, the people that you are ministering with can create a circle of safety that allows them to, to pursue mental and emotional health. And, and what that actually does, like I don't want anyone listening to this to think that I'm some fluffy nerf herder. Like what this actually does is it actually, when our ministry is healthy, spiritually, emotionally, relationally, when we're physically healthy, it opens up new levels of performance for our organizations, for our chapters, for our groups. It's not a trade-off, actually. It's the, it's the path to optimal performance. Simone Biles will be a better athlete over the long term if she is mentally and emotionally healthy. Yeah, and I think we, I think we can see this too. When Peter first meets Jesus, has this first like, encounter with him, and Jesus says, come be a fisher of men, et cetera. His acknowledgement of his own brokenness and his own limits is the thing that Jesus says, ah, you are qualified to come follow me. And I think that's, that's a big thing here, right? We're acknowledging the limits that we have. And that is what empowers us to actually rely on not our own strength, but on Jesus's strength. Well, and two things to add in here is that Peter's limits continue to show up in his ministry, his arrogance, his 
ethnocentrism you know, continues to cycle back around. So that, that's an important thing to note that this challenge to be mentally healthy, emotionally healthy, it's not something that we kind of one and done deal with and move on. We carry it with us as we move forward in ministry. But the second thing is that we do grow and change. I realize that might sound contradictory, that first statement, but that the things that we struggled with in the past may not be the things that we struggle with in the future. And that desiring growth, maturation, healing is okay. You don't have to say, this is who I am. This is how I am. I will always be this way. You actually can say, this is who I am today. This is how I am today. I'm hopeful that I will be healthier tomorrow, which is what Simone Biles is doing. She didn't quit the sport entirely. She just skipped out on this event. Yeah, for sure. And I think there's a lot to learn from that as we've talked about. If you're trying to learn more about these topics and other topics, we highly suggest that you would subscribe to our podcast so you can hear more about stuff that we're talking about. You can leave us a rating and review because that really helps. And you can also check out our Instagram at Ministry During Disruption where we share content about stuff happening around ministries, how these things are affecting ministry. But we're also going to share stuff around things like, like mental health and how to have self-care and be mindful of your own mental health, things like that. We're going to be sharing resources on how those things are. We don't post all the time, but we're a great sharer of resources to help get things in your, in your eyeballs, so to speak. You can also do us a favor and check out our sponsor. We've been talking today about your mental health. Your spiritual health matters too. How can you minister in a way that allows you, encourages you, is structured around depending on the Spirit. This is a challenge for many of us, particularly a challenge as we think about going back to campus this fall. So if you're interested in learning how to depend on the Spirit in order to level up your ministry game, go ahead and check out the ministry playbook. There's a free course that's available just for you, and it can help you listen to God, follow Him on campus, and serve the people that God has sent you to in a holistic and wonderful way. Check out our sponsor at theministryplaybook.com and particularly check out this free Depending on the Spirit course.